0: So if you have your Bibles, guys. I want you to turn back with me, turn with me to Genesis, the 39th chapter. And while you're turning there, I want to uh, read a couple of things into you, or something to you hearing real quickly. Because we've been talking about the spirit of generosity and what that entails. And it's a mindset because God is a generous God, obviously, because he so loved the world that he did what? He gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. So as we talked about the spirit of generosity and as I said, I've been been basking in some of the praise reports that you guys have given uh, about, you know, you going forth and putting this into action. I promise you guys, when you learn to do the word, uh, you, you'll be you'll be more equipped and better equipped to be able to move forward in faith and be a, a quality representative of the Lord Jesus Christ here in the earth realm. OK, so so so, so God wants us uh, to advance his kingdom principles and he does it through the church. Now, again, when we talk about the spirit of generosity, just like any other biblical principle, please don't look at it as a as a list of rules of do's and don'ts or have to. I got to do this. I'm going to read something to you that I think sort illustrates what our mindset should be when we are reconciled to God. When we are reconciled to God, it offers a relationship, not religion or legalism. OK, I'm not into good religion. I'm into relationship. Amen. See, religion won't get you to heaven, but relationship will. Yeah. Are y'all with me today? Yeah. Well, listen to this real quick. This, I think this appropriately illustrates it. It says, there's a story told of a, a young woman who married a man, and when she moved into her husband's home, he gave her a list of all the things he wanted done and how he wanted them done. Some I mean, Something's like, mm, I heard you. <laughs> I heard you in my spirit right there, Mmm." The list provided rules for when he expected her to wake up and just how he wanted his eggs prepared. It detailed how the laundry should be done and what days he expected her to clean and buy the groceries. Dinner was expected at six every night, and the bed was to be turned down at 10. She could go out with friends twice a month, but had to be home by 10 on those nights. Every detail of the marriage was spelled out. She knew how much money she could spend on herself and how much on groceries. Surely, this woman was blessed to have such an orderly life and a husband who was such a good administrator. Well, as the story goes on, this husband died and probably died from a heart attack for being so rigid and stiff. But listen to this, the rest of it. A few years later, the same woman met another man who said he loved her and wanted to marry her. She was at that point a bit older and wiser and decided to find out ahead of time what the rules would be. She asked him which days he would like his laundry done. Yvonne, I feel you. I feel you, Yvonne. I feel you right now. He, she, she asked him which days he would like his laundry done. He said, it didn't really matter. Maybe they would do the laundry together. And he was happy to do the laundry himself. I hear someone saying amen. She wondered just how he liked his eggs. And he assured her that any way she made them, he was sure he would like them. Then he asked her how she liked her eggs. Then a feeling of sweet warmth began to swell inside of her heart. She asked him, what, were, what, were her, what was her household budget would be? And he informed her that once they were married, everything he had would be hers. Everybody say, glory to, glory to God. See, guys, the difference between religion and a relationship is just that. It's relationship. Too many people who are part of our churches are caught up in religion. This, this, do this, this. And we ought to be faithful in serving our God But please don't serve out of obligation. Oh, I got to do this. I just got to help with Vacation by because they called me. Or it's I get to serve. I get the privilege of serving my God and my Savior. And that should be our mindset. Not religion, but what? Everybody say relationship. And there's a difference, guys. There is a difference. Now, as we get into this 39th chapter of the book of Genesis, a very familiar passage of Scripture. I'm just going to kind of Use this as our jumping off point today because we've been talking about the spirit of generosity and we talked about David on last week. Do you all recall? And when David, we said just 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 those the heart, the heart of generosity was on display in David's life in first Corinthians, first Chronicles 29. And I told you that David gave God the resources of Israel first and foremost. Right. Second thing I told you was that David gave of his own personal wealth. Talk about the spirit of generosity, guys. Uh, the, David gave his own personal worth. We said also, number three, that the leaders support the work of ministry by their own giving. No one should ever be in leadership if they're not supporting the work of ministry, that they're leading. From the pastor all the way down, amen? If you're gonna lead, you gotta lead by example. Can I get a witness? Fourth, we said the people uh, rejoice over the leader's attitude towards giving. It was not a beat you over the head and make you do this But because of David's attitude and the leadership attitude, they were were glad to be able to contribute to the building of God's temple. And and the last thing we said was David praised God in front of everyone for the things God had done for Israel. Now we look at the the next part of your notes, we talked about the fact that stewardship does matter because we said when we look at the spirit of generosity, we say generosity and stewardship, they, they go hand in hand, but stewardship sounds a little bit more rigid than generosity, than the spirit of generosity. Some of y'all have been sharing with me how you, go, you went and blessed people. I told you one of the things that Maria and I do quite often is when we go and eat out of the restaurant, we will tip, we will tip the, the waiter, especially, especially when they serve us well, real generously. Sometimes 30%, sometimes 50%, sometimes even 100% of the bill. We'll do that because we want to we want to we just honor them serving us and to also keep us grounded with a spirit of generosity how many of y'all get revelation at certain places in your home or, or when you're doing certain things uh because we talk about the spirit of generosity I got a revelation this morning okay now how many of y'all ever get revelation when you uh in the shower anybody anything anybody got a few y'all okay how many of y'all ever get revelation when you're just driving to work and you got your praise music on. Anybody get revelation in? Uh, I get revelation when I'm in the shower sometimes and I get revelation when I'm walking. When I do my seven mile walk, it's all of a sudden you you can ask Sonia, you can ask Kiara. When I'm walking, I'll I'll pick up the phone and call back in. Hey, do this. Let's do this here. I just got a thought. What about this? Because revelation, it tends to come that way. When I was in the shower this morning, and some revelation came to me because you know we've been preaching about the spirit of generosity, and this may sound like very a um, very minimal thing to you, but I knew it was the Holy Spirit reminding me of something that 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 He was testing me. None of us get too old to be tested, Sister Kirk, Sister Sister Henry, y'all, y'all not too old to be tested. God's going to test your faith. He wants to know are you still standing when you're eighty plus. He wants to know, Sister Kirk, are you still standing when you're 90 plus? Can I get a witness? Give God a hand and praise for 80 plus and 90 plus. Our faith will be tested. So here I'm in the shower, taking my shower. And all of a sudden, the thought came to me. Because we had some, a pest control guy had, 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 had came to do some, some, some uh, work at the house. And he'd given us a, a bid on a, a certain price to do that. And we had agreed upon that. We, he had sent in his email what the written price was. But when he got here, uh, after the work had been done, we were sitting down talking, and he was giving, up, giving the contract that goes with the service they provided, and it can be renewed annually. Uh, and I asked him, give given the right to check, I said, how much do I owe you? And he said, now this is the owner of the company. The owner of the company said $800. That's what he told me. We had some, some work done uh, that was necessary. Okay, $800. Well, so I wrote, wrote the check out for eight hundred dollars. Now while I'm in the shower this morning, guys, the Holy Ghost told me, bam, that amount was eight hundred and forty-five dollars that he quoted you in his email. All right, now but let me back up. I'm gonna be totally honest. While I, while he, when he told me eight hundred, I thought, well, maybe he's just give me a discount from what he originally said. But he didn't have the contract with him, the email with him when he told when he had quoted me. And in my minds, how many of y'all in your minds eye, or in your spirit? I don't know about you, but I know when somebody tells me how much something costs. So I'm sitting there, and I write to check out for eight hundred, knowing in my mind he told me eight forty-five. But I wrote it for eight hundred because that's what the owner of the company told me when he came to sell up on what it cost me to do that. But here's the problem with that, Tyrone. While I'm in the shower this morning, the Holy Ghost said you knew what that price was. what he told me. You know what that price was. And what I did this morning, I texted him. I said, hey, Chris, I, I said the other day when we were talking, uh, you know, when we sat down you told me that the price was $800. I said, I looked back over your email uh, and I, 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 I realized that I actually, you know, you quoted me $845 for that job that we gave. I said, uh, I just want to make sure I'm, I'm on the same page with you and we've squared up good. He, he texts back laugh out loud. I think you're probably right. Now, he never just said Pay me $845, but the Holy Ghost told me that that's what I agreed to pay, and this ain't nothing but a test to see how much integrity you had because while you wrote that check, I spoke to your spirit, it was $845, but you went on and wrote it for $800. I'm trying to help somebody up here. Now, so you, may, you may say, well, food, hey, it's lost my game. No, because God is watching what you do. Are y'all with me today? So it's that little stuff. It's the, it's the little foxes that spoil the vine. That stuff you don't think God paying attention to. That time you took a quarter when you shouldn't have taken a quarter. Everybody say the little foxes. Spoil the vine. It's that little stuff that we think God's not watching that, 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 that determines whether or not God can trust us with more. And I, I listen, I am not going to be one who stopped God from blessing me with more because of forty five dollars. Ain't that a trip? Forty five dollars could have brought could have blocked fifty thousand dollars that's coming. So so I, so so I, I got revelation in the shower and sometimes I get it while I'm walking my seven miles, but learn to hear the voice of God. Now look in Genesis 39 and we know the story again. I want to use Joseph as an example here. And, 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 and Joseph, y'all know the story, I, I'm, I can't go back and regurgitate all of it, but y'all mostly, you go back and read up to this point. But Joseph is now had been sold into slavery by his brothers. His brothers were jealous of him. He was the father's favorite. Amen. Go read your Bible. He was the father's favorite and the brothers were so indignant with him because he, he even shared a dream. He was a dreamer. He shared a dream that, that basically indicated y'all going to be bowing down serving me. And they were so hot, and they were so mad, they wanted to kill him. But cooler heads prevail, and one of the brothers says, let's don't kill him. Let's get some money for him, throw him in the pit, fake his death, sell him, sell him to these, these Egyptians who were coming through, traveling through, and they sold their brother into slavery. Yeah. And now we come to this 39th chapter, verse number one, if we go right right quick. Because I want to tell you, stewardship matters. Here we have, y'all know the story, Joseph here in Potiphar's house. When Joseph was taken to Egypt by the Ishmaelite traders, he was purchased by Potiphar, an Egyptian officer. Potiphar was captain of the guard for Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. Next verse says this, the Lord was with Joseph. Everybody say "The the Lord was with Joseph. So he succeeded in everything he did as he served in the home of his Egyptian master. Check this out. Here this dude is, been sold into slavery by his brother. Would that have caused you to go into a state of depression? Would that have caused you to be in a mundane state? Here you are in captivity, indentured servitude because your own blood. When your family does your dirt, that kind of hurts a little bit, doesn't it? When the family goes hold on you, brothers sell you, that will mess with you. But I want you to understand, Joseph understood that he had a covenant with God. And when you have covenant with God, even when you're going through some things and things will get tough sometimes, that's why I want to encourage y'all in the days in this year, 2022, it's time for us to gird up the loins of our mind, stop letting the enemy, amen, or life situations get us off track. Know that things will come, but God is able to still keep you. How many of y'all know he's a provider? How many of y'all know he's a way maker? Miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. That's who he is. So we're gonna have some things that happen in our life, guys. We're not we're not immune from tragedy because we believe. As a matter of fact, my Bible tells me if you live godly in Christ Jesus, you're gonna suffer some what persecution. So here, here here Joseph is, guys. Can I keep going? Y'all got the hold my view. Now listen, I, I I got in this morning about three o'clock. I. Uh, boy, the airlines ought to be shot. Some up not, not, not literally, not literally, but I just let I me mean, just, just just do stuff that I, I don't know. Anyhow, so 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 I, I'm okay. I, I can't, Richard. I can't do three o'clock a.m. like I did. when I was in college in college at three o'clock a.m. food I was just getting started. Catch it on laughing like that, right? but. So I, could, I, could, I, could, I could come in at 3 and get up at 6.30 if I needed to. That's what I did when I was caught in Mararia. Hello? Talk on the phone, or date, or, or be out with her and then drive back home an hour from Haynesville, go to bed at 3, get up for work. be at the 7 a.m. and I was up and I was going. But now 3 a.m. Hit, hit me a little different, not Carl. <laughs> when, you, when you pass 55, it hits you differently. But I thank God that I'm here. So Joseph, watched the Lord was with Joseph, so he succeeded in everything he did as he served in the home of his Egyptian master. Text says this, Potiphar noticed this and realized, <laughs> realized Potiphar noticed this and realized, what did he realize? He realized that the Lord was with Joseph. See, when you're walking with God, people may not even like you, but they'll realize you're walking with God. Are y'all tracking with me? They realized, Potiphar realized that the law was with Joseph, giving him success in everything he did. Watch this. This pleased Potiphar. So he soon made Joseph his personal attendant. He put him in charge of his entire household and everything he owned. Verse number five says this. From the day Joseph was put in charge of his master's household and property, the Lord began to bless Potiphar's household for what? For Joseph's sake, I told y'all this, y'all heard me preach this before. Listen, some of y'all's companies that you're working at right now are getting blessed with record earnings because you're there. Because your bonus is tied to the earnings. If you can get connected with a company that will bless you as the company gets blessed, then you're doing good. Because now every time they get the company makes more money, guess what? You make more money. So look what the text says here. From the day that Joseph was put in charge of his master's household and property, the Lord began to bless Potiphar's household for Joseph's sake. All his household affairs ran smoothly, and his crops and livestock flourished. Next verse says this. So Potiphar gave Joseph complete administrative responsibility over everything he owned. With Joseph there, he didn't worry about a thing except what kind of food to eat. Joseph was a very handsome and well-bitten young man. Now, we're not going to go, and Potiphar's wife soon began to look at him lustfully, but we're not going to go there today. Y'all know the story. Well, if you don't, go read it. This, this cougar. <laughs> I don't know if we got any cougars in the house. If you don't know what a cougar is, then that's, that's, that's okay. You don't need to know, okay? This cougar began, began to look at him lustfully and say, come and sleep with me. Come and have sex with me. We know the rest of the story. But even through all of Joseph's trials, the Lord was with him while he was in jail because she falsely accused him. Because he wouldn't sleep with her. He ran away. He, he ran. He, See, sexual lust and sexual immorality is not something to play with. You got to run. If you hadn't learned to run, you better learn to run. I don't know about anybody that's up in here, but I do not listen. Listen to this doll. I'm, I'm telling you, as a pastor of the church, I do not trust my flesh, and you better not trust your flesh either. I'm gonna be all right, pastor. You know, I, I can, I can be in the room with that scantily clad woman, and I, I mean, I, I'm, 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 you know, I'm strong. I'm strong. Don't do it, dummy. In the words of Fred Safford, don't do it, dummy. Don't you trust your flesh. That's why the Bible says run. So Joseph, a man from Potiphar's house to being falsely accused of rape, to being thrown in prison. When he's in prison, the Bible says the Lord was with Joseph and he ended up running to prison. Interpreted the king's dream, got out of prison, and was put in charge of all of Egypt. Pharaoh entrusted Egypt to him, and Egypt prospered because Joseph had a vision from God about what was going to happen, and he he conveyed it to the, to the king. So my point is, the Lord was with him. But now, here's what I want to get to, stewardship. There's a word in the Greek, it's called Okanomia, okay. Okanomia is the Greek word from which we get our English word economy, but it literally means household management. Okay, this is the principle. Okay, all that we are and all that we have belongs to God, and He has temporarily entrusted it to us to oversee according to what His wishes. All right, so. We are managers over God's household business. Now, why am I saying that? Because we talk about the spirit of generosity. We have to realize that there are going to be times when God is going to tell us and instruct us and give an unction in our spirit to go and be generous to someone who's not a family member. Be generous to someone who's in in a time of need, and we have to be willing to do so. Now, remember I told you when we first started this out, is that you don't have to have a whole lot of money to be generous. Right. Because the way God calculates generosity is different than the way man calculates generosity. Man calculates generosity based on the dollar amount giving, but God calculates it based on the quality of the giving. Are y'all listening to me today? Listen, man would say, "Okay, somebody gives 10,000. That was very generous. But that man, the man who gave 10 could have gave 200,000. But you don't know that. But God does. The woman who gave $1, it may seem like it's minuscule and minute, but God will say that's more than the guy who gave 10 because he knows the heart, he knows the situation. The Bible says, uh, uh, you know, give according to what you have and not what you have not. Can I get a witness? So, so, so the, the concept of stewardship is found repeatedly throughout the scriptures. And in my remaining time, I'm going to pick on one, maybe two of these, Okay. So the first thing we see is in our time, because this is critically important. I've discovered that something has happened, I believe, and it was was happening prior to the pandemic. But I think the pandemic accelerated this sense of uh, aloneness or this sense of, uh, I don't know what I call it, lack of commitment or uh, this lack of sacrificing ourselves in the service to God. People don't necessarily are are, are, are looking at it like the the, the man, come on, uh, when the the second husband in the story I just read to you, that's the kind of attitude and relationship we should have when it comes to the things of God, not because we have to do it, but we get to do this. We get to serve as co-laborers with our Savior, Jesus Christ. So let's unpack this first one here. Go to the 90th number of Psalms. And we'll look at verse number two. The 90th number of Psalms, verse number two. Hallelujah. Are y'all still tracking with me today? Everybody said, The spirit of generosity will reign at EBC. Lord, I've been blessed by someone. And I, I want to challenge y'all do something and let us know about it. I, I mean, I, I'm not going to tell you, I'm not, I hadn't called anybody's name, but I just want to hear the stories and hear the reactions that is coming from people. Amen? Because that's what we have been called and ordained to do, the spirit of generosity. The 90th number of Psalms, let's start at verse number 10, if you will. The 90th number of Psalms, verse number 10, glory to God. Text says this, 70 years are given to us. Some even live to be 80. But even the best years are what? But even the best years are what? But even the best years are what? what? But even the best years are what? So why are, you, why, are you, why are you tripping when pain and trouble comes? It tells us right now that in life we're going to have pain and trouble. Because you're walking with God, does not mean that we are immune, as I said earlier, from, from, from valley experiences. It happens, but we can trust God in the valley. We can trust him to be our way maker. So, but even the best years are filled with pain and trouble. Soon they disappear and we fly away. Next verse, verse 11. Who can comprehend the power of your anger? Your wrath is as awesome as the fear you deserve. Next verse. Now watch this. Teach us to realize the brevity of life so that we may what? So that we may grow in wisdom. The KW says, so teach us to number our days so we may apply our hearts to wisdom. Are y'all listening to me today? Uh, Now, 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 when we look at this this text here, I'm I'm reminded of the fact that that, that all of us uh, have limited lifespans, lest the rapture tarries. All of us, if the rapture is not going to come for another thousand years, will not be here on this earth at that time. But none of us have the privilege of knowing exactly when our day's do going to come. Some, that day comes early in life. Some, as a teenager, some, you know, in their 20s, young adulthood, some in their 40s and 50s and 60s, and some people live to be 90, some are past 100, but at some point in time, death will come knocking on your door lest the master comes back and raptures the church out of here. And I believe, without a shadow of a doubt, that he is coming back real soon. I live with that sense of expectation that the Lord is coming back real soon. So, so since we know that our time is short, there is something that Paul says in Ephesians, the fifth chapter. Let's go to Ephesians chapter number five, and we're going to begin our reading. I believe it's around the 15th verse. Ephesians chapter number five, and we're going to begin our reading around... That fifteenth verse, and we may, uh, we may go back and take a look. Um, yeah, let's go back a little bit. Let's go back to, uh, go back to the first verse. I, I, go to the first verse, if you will. Are y'all there? Let's read. read. This is Paul talking to the church at Ephesus. Knows what he says in this letter, this epistle to the church. He says, "Imitate God." Therefore, in everything you do, because you are what? Basically, what he's saying is, act like your daddy. Look at your neighbor and say neighbor, act like your daddy. I'm talking about your spiritual daddy, the Father in Heaven. Don't necessarily now. Some of you, you know, you may say I had a great dad, but you, you know, and, and praise God for great fathers. But all great fathers will have have their warts and they have their their their, their shortcomings. So I want to encourage you to act like your daddy. That's what he says That's dualology's interpretation of this. Imitate God before everything you do because you are his dear children. Next verse, let's go. Live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. Next verse, let's go guys. Let there be no sexual immorality, impurity or greed among you, such sins have no place among God's people. How many of y'all will agree with that? Obscene stories. How many of y'all are telling obscene, rude, crude stories? Foolish talk and coarse jokes. I hope we don't have Christians Christian telling dirty dirty jokes and laughing about it. Bob says, don't do it. These are not for you. Instead, let there be thankfulness to God. Can we keep going? You can be sure that no immoral, imperial, or greedy person will inherit the kingdom of Christ and of God, for a greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things of this world. He says, don't be fooled by those who try to excuse these sins. Don't be fooled by those who try to excuse these sins, for the anger of God will fall on all who disobey him. Let's keep going. Don't participate in the things these people do. Now, you got to go back and read the things that, uh, previous to that, don't Listen, how many of y'all have laughed at dirty jokes at work? Uh-huh. Some of y'all are honest. <laughs> Just grinning with your Jesus saved t-shirt on. Bible says, don't do it. Guys, our testimony should mean something. Don't participate in the things these people do. Next verse says. For once you were full of darkness, but now you have the light from the Lord, so live as people of light. 9 10. For this light within you produces only what is good and right and true. Carefully determine what pleases the Lord. Where well, do we find out what, what pleases our Lord? So we can be like that man in our story where he wants to know, how do you like your eggs? Do you not know that God, God wants, God, the Bible says this. Delight yourself in the Lord, Brenda, and he'll give you what the desires of your heart. Did I realize that God wants to bless us with things too? Not just material things, but how about some peace of mind? How about, how about, a, how about a little bit of, of, of just joy? How about, how about, I mean, whatever. God wants to bless us. Are y'all with me today? Carefully determine what pleases the Lord. Next verse, take no part in the worthless deeds of evil and darkness. Instead, expose them. Everybody say expose them. Next verse says what? It is shameful even to talk about the things that ungodly people do in secret. 13 says, but their evil intentions will be exposed when the light shines on them. For the light makes everything visible. That is why it said, awake, O sleeper, rising from the dead, and Christ will give you light." Who's going to give you light? Now here, watch this. Now, in light of all that was just said, in light of all that Paul just said, he says what? So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are what? Wise. Don't live like what? But like those who are what? Wise. Next verse. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Let's stop right there for a second. Now in the King James Version of this Scripture, it says, see then, see then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. The phrase redeeming the time is also found in Colossians 4 and 5 where it says, walk in wisdom, toward them that are without, redeeming the time. And in both of those passages, redeeming the time is related to wisdom in how we walk or how we live. Because he he went from verse 1 down to verse 14 telling us what not to do. Is that correct? Don't laugh at coarse jokes. Don't get involved in in sexual immorality. A whole list of things not to do because he knows that if we live that way, we won't be a quality representative of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. God wants what's best for us. Can I get a witness? Now, to redeem something means to buy it back, to regain possession of it. Guys, how many of y'all know that time is a gift from God? Now, in this section right here, we're talking about being a good steward over our time. Time is a gift from God and none of us know how much of it that we are allotted. None of us know when our day is up, when the death angel swoops down and picks us up. We don't know. So because we don't know, Paul is telling these saints at Ephesus, live as though your day is coming right now redeeming the time, okay? Only God knows how much time each of us has on this earth to make decisions that will impact eternity. When God says we should be redeeming the time, he wants us to live in constant awareness of that clock that's ticking and make the most of the time that we have. In fact, uh, the NIV's translation of Ephesians 5 and 16 uses the phrase, making the most of every opportunity. NLT does that same thing. So so rather than waste our days on frivolous pursuits that that leave no lasting impact, Scripture tells us to be diligent about doing good. Go to Titus, the third chapter, we'll be right quick. Titus chapter number three and let's look at verse number eight. Titus chapter three, verse number eight. Are y'all still with me today? We're talking about the spirit of generosity, and what that means as it relates to the stewardship of the things that we have. Our, our monetary resources, yes. But how many of y'all know you can be generous with your time? How many of y'all have heard the, the, the statement, time is money? And, 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 and as I get older, I realize that more and more, most of us, if we're really honest about it, waste a whole lot of time. Sitting in the airport yesterday, I saw a lot a bunch of people, rather than maybe sitting there talking, they were doing this. <laughs> Seeing you out, to, out for dinner, with your, with your sweetheart, it's Valentine's Day and you over there doing this. Hit <laughs> he laughing at what somebody said on Facebook. Hello? I'm not saying Facebook is evil. I'm not saying social media is evil. But how much of a time waster is it in your life? So much so that you fool yourself and tell yourself, "I really don't have time to study. I really don't have time to to pray. I really don't have time to serve." Well, what if what if you if you if you just 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 for just try for one day just just cut it off? Somebody like, I get my fix. What they say? Did somebody like what I posted? How many likes did I get? If you, if, let me tell you something. I, I don't. I don't mean this in any disrespectful way. Any disrespectful way. But if you're sitting there counting the number of people who like your post, there is something inside of you that you need to deal with. I'm. I'm. I'm serious. No. 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 I'm really serious. Because there's a need somewhere inside of you some a, a level of insecurity that you're not really comfortable with who you are. So you have to put on the Facebook persona. And I told y'all before, probably ninety percent of that stuff that's out there ain't the real deal. It's not the real story. When last time somebody to put 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 a picture of themselves out there with a the howl over the head. We put on when we dress up. I'm not. You ought to dress up. Remember, I told you. Don't go out there to these places of establishment representing your church, looking like you throw it away. I call them bags on head. Can I? Can I? Can I mess with some of y'all a little bit? House shoes, pajamas on. dressed in moderation the scripture says you don't have to go into the store with a three piece suit on if they do a three piece suits back in i don't know but be presentable Dress in moderation guys what what am i trying to say we got we got to get to a point guys where we represent our god well so so some of the stuff that, that that we do are time wasters And sometimes we're wasting our time because we're trying to feed something that only God can feed for us. We're trying to experience something that only the Holy Spirit can give us. And if you get with God and begin to let him renew your mind, let his word get down in your spirit, and you begin to know who you are in Christ Jesus, you don't have to prove who you are to anybody else. And God, God bless the folks who think what they have makes them. God do not have a problem with you having anything, but when you get into that mindset that you feel less than or you feel like you're not, you depressed because you don't have this house or this car because somebody else has it, listen, that, that's something grown in. Learn to be content. Paul says, in whatever state I'm in, therewith I learn how to be what? Content. Not satisfied, because some folks satisfied, they don't want very much more. I don't think you ought to be satisfied, but to be content means that I'm resting in Jesus, whether I have to eat, uh, uh, pork and beans and rice every week or if I'm eating caviar, I'm still resting in Jesus. If all I got to eat is, is, is pinto beans and rice, you, may not, you ain't going to know it because I'm still going to be looking full, ain't it? <laughs> and how many of y'all know once your stomach gets full, it don't really care how it got there. I know eating can be an experience for you. Know, and you, you like, I'm a connoisseur of fine tastes. I like the seasoning. I like everything. I like good eating. But once my stomach is full, if it's full with water and bread, it's full. So don't trip out about things. Be content in what the Lord has blessed you with. Now, look look what he says here now in Titus chapter number three. (laughs) Y'all there? Say, keep preaching, pastor. Thank you. I'm going to do it. Can we uh, look at what he says here? This is a trustworthy saying, and I want you to insist on these teachings so that all who trust in God will devote themselves. Will devote themselves. How do you know when somebody's devoted to something? Come on, how do you know when somebody's devoted to you? Give me, Somebody. I need. I need some answers. Spend time with you. Will help serve you, will even do things for you when they're devoted to you. If you have someone in in your life who says that they're devoted to you, but they spend no time with you, do no things for you, don't have your best interest at heart, it's all about what they want, they're not really devoted to you, they're devoted to you doing what they want you to do. But he says here, this is a trustworthy saying and I want, you to, I want you to insist on these teachings so that all who trust in God will devote themselves to doing good. These teachings are what? Good and beneficial for everyone. I'm talking about redeeming the time now, okay? Look at what he said in verse number nine. Let's go, verse nine says what? Don't get involved in foolish discussions about spiritual pedigrees or in quarrels and fights about obedience to Jewish laws. Some of y'all have been arguing with some of your, 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 your family members or friends who've gotten off course, who don't understand biblical dispensation, who's still trying to live under old covenant. And if you try to live under old covenant, then you ain't going to ever measure up. Because none of us can keep every aspect of the law. If you think uh, keeping the law is going to get you righteous, when you stand before before God, you're going to go to hell. Can I say it again? Because our righteousness is not based on what we do, but it's based on what Jesus did. If you're trying to obtain righteousness by not eating certain meats, by by, by trusting in certain holy days, and, and, and when you come and not trusting in the saving work of Jesus Christ, then your righteousness will never measure up. Because no man can keep the law perfectly. These things are useless and a what? So why are you arguing with folks about certain spiritual things, unless they want to reason out of scripture? I, I'm willing to reason, but I'm not going to argue with you. Let's sit down and let's make sure we got the proper biblical context. Because you can't pluck a scripture out of context, out of out of its dispensation, make something that, that was applicable only in the Old Testament, apply to the New Testament. And people are doing that every day thinking that they're deep. Get understanding. These things are useless. What's useless? Quarreling and arguing about spiritual pedigrees and fights about obedience to Jewish laws. These things are useless and a waste of time. Look at the next verse. It says what? If people are causing divisions among you, If people are causing what? Divisions among you, give a first and a second warning. After that, don't have anything else to do with them. I didn't say that. The Bible said it. Now, some of y'all got people in your life and every time they come around, it's drama. I'm not talking about somebody who's who's around you that, that really wants to get help, but I'm talking about somebody who's just toxic. And every time they come around, it's division. He's he, Now, it, take this in context now, because some people need help, and you're the person that God placed in their life to help them. But you keep running from them. You keep running from them. And God says, listen, anything, I'm not going to give you any peace until you go and engage like I told you to engage with that person who's causing division, because you're the one who I assigned to go talk to them. Hello, saints. Talking about redeeming the time. Hello, saints. But now, when these people come with these spiritual arguments and stuff that really, most of the time, they're they're off base. If somebody's wanting to learn, let's, let's sit down. Let's reason. Let's go and get the context. Let's find out who's writing, who's he writing to. What well, was the scenario, how is the modern-day application of that exegetical tech that we've discovered from, from years gone by? How does that apply today? And let's talk about it and reason together out of Scripture. But if you come in to argue and create division, then the Bible says if people are causing division among you, he's talking to the church, give a first and second warning after that, have nothing more to do with him. Well, that, that pastor ain't that wrong? No, it ain't. That's what the Bible just said. Next verse, read. For people like that have turned away from the truth and their own sins do what? Condemn them. Now, okay, so so we're going to stop right there. So let's get back. When God says we should be redeeming time, he wants us to live in constant awareness that, that our time is limited. The context of the command to redeem the time helps us to understand what redeeming the time looks like and why it's important, being a good steward over our time. Now, come on, this is truth, truth or consequences, not truth or consequences, truth or death time. How many of y'all out there right now are willing to raise your hand and say, Pastor, you know what? When I look back over my week, I wasted some time. Amen. Come on, you, you, you wasted some time. You, you can look back at your life and say, you know what? There's, there's two hours a block of time right there where I, I just, I mean, I, I don't even know what I was doing. And y'all have been there for what are you doing the last week? I, I, I don't know. I guess I'm just sitting there. I don't know what I was doing. We waste time and then tell God we don't have time. Redeeming the time means that I gotta take, I gotta take advantage of every opportunity. Redeeming the time means that we are careful in how we live. Again, he, he talked about living. And, and not doing those things and being engaged in those things that the world is doing are those in the church who are doing, okay? So when we look at this, it says we, when we seize every opportunity and use it for God's glory, then we are actually redeeming time. When we think through our plans and make sure they align with God's will, and when we avoid empty, harmful, and, and activities and, and you know just all kinds of debauchery that's out there that's happening in the church, then when we avoid those things, then we are are redeeming the time. Jesus taught his disciples the necessity of redeeming the time. Because what I'm going to ask you to do this coming week is to evaluate what you do on a daily basis and see how efficient you are with your time. And how much time are you actually giving to God on a daily basis? How many of y'all have been like me and I've been guilty of this. There have been days I woke up and forgot to pray before I left the house, got up with breath in my body, having the activities of my limb can move, can think, can rationalize and i did I left the house without pray. Am I the only one? Am I the only one God has graced us, saved us. How dare I get up without acknowledging him the first thing in the morning? Redeem the time because the days, or even guys, we got to take advantage of opportunity. So, so Jesus taught his disciples the necessity of redeeming the time. He said in John nine and four, he says, I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. For the night is coming when what? No man can work. Our time for working is limited. The night cometh when no man can work. Guys, let me tell you something. Jesus was diligent about keeping uh, to his mission. And what I'm trying to challenge each one of you to do is to be diligent to keep into your mission as a born again believer. Every last one of us in here have been called to represent our God. All of us have been called to be disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. You've been called, I've been called, you've been called, you've been called, you've been called, all of us have been called to be disciples. My question to you is how much of your time are you allotting for the Lord and His service? How much are you willing to let go of? And the truth be told, if we're honest, sometimes, you know, we, we do need to have a rest and vacation, but rest and vacation every week? <laughs> when your church mission, I, I, I challenged at our meeting the other day and for those who were not there, I will, I, hear me carefully. I challenge every member to get involved in at least one internal ministry and one external ministry. And if you need some recommendations, we have recommendations where you can get plugged in to an outreach ministry or an inreach ministry. And we're starting with VBS because VBS is our, is our outreach to the community. We need, we need all hands on deck. We need people who will say, Pastor, for those three days, we're gonna pour into our young people and our adults. VBS is not just for children. It's for adults also. And so we're gonna pour into them. We're gonna three days of fun. We're gonna transition the stage area as best we can, and we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna party for Jesus. But we need all kinds of people helping do different parts, okay? So please do your part. That's my shameless plug for service. Uh, for VBS. Can I get a witness? Just do your part. You ain't got to do 15 different things. Just do your part. If it's security, be security. If it's, if it's driving the van, drive the van, whatever it is, do your part, okay? We need your help. And that's the way it is all the time in ministry, okay? But I'm challenging you to every member to be involved in at least one in-reach ministry, which means serving as we're here, gathering for, on campus to do different things, and one outreach ministry so that, can, so that you can be a part of our flow here as, as a minister, okay? He says I must work, work the works of him that sent me while it is day for the night coming when no man can work. Well we all got we all have distractions we all have things that come at us but we got to redeem the time so we can re, we can learn to redeem the time by becoming conscious of the fact that we may not have another day. You know it, it, it's important for us to realize that God could come at any moment. Um so another way we can learn to redeem the time is by asking God to help us be more organized. How many need to be a little more organized in your life? How many of y'all need to be a little more timely? How many of you come to church every Sunday late? I'm not talking about a happens. Now, now think of it for a second. If you're gonna redeem the time, let's start with something very simple as that. What time do we get started? Guys, you know, in the old days, you you could hang around and say, well, they ain't going to get started about 10, 15. But since we've been live streaming every every Sunday at 10 o'clock sharp, we start. All right. So here's an assignment for you all. If you are late for church, I want you to redeem the time by coming and being in your seat. You can't get here at 10 to be on time for 10. You got to get here before 10 because service starts at 10. You can't be put up in the parking lot at 10. When you pull up in the parking lot at 10, you're what? Late. And some of y'all hadn't learned about work either. When you come to work, you can't be put up in the parking lot at 8 o'clock and, th- and think you're on time. Well, I'm here. Here's what some of y'all rascals will do. Not rascals. Here, 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 here's what some of you generous... uh uh Spirit, spiritual sisters will do. You'll drive to work putting your makeup on and you'll get in the parking lot to say you were at work and then you, uh, Sister Adam, you listen to the baby. <laughs> and you spend another 15 or 20 minutes on campus putting your makeup on to go in. I just lose all of my sisters then redeem the time and it starts by being timed So, So here, here's, an, here's your assignment. If you, notice I didn't call anybody out. Okay? But if you late every Sunday, I'm not talking about the one who's occasionally late, but if you late every Sunday, you know who you are. You know who you are. I don't know who you are, but the parking lot guys can tell me if I ask them Oh, yeah, Pastor, she late every Sunday. Some of y'all, I know you're late because you walked down the middle of the aisle while I'm preaching. I would suggest that maybe you all just, just, just pull over on the side of the road and just view it live stream if you're coming halfway to sermon. Okay? All right, but here's your assignment. This week, I want you to practice because I want you to be front of mind. I want you to have a God consciousness about redeeming the time. So every place you go this week, I want you to be on time. Your doctor's appointment, stop showing up late, and then getting mad when they, you have to wait. Your doctor's appointment, your hair appointment, haircut appointment, your time arriving to service, some of y'all are late getting up. So rise up earlier than you normally would to spend some time in prayer and meditation. That's your assignment for this week. Okay, children, children, y'all, y'all children here, I want y'all to watch our parents for me this week, okay? I want y'all to tell on y'all, I'm just joking, I'm just joking. I want to get some of y'all, some of y'all, you better not go tell the pastor I was late. <laughs> I'm just teasing, okay? But I'm not teasing about redeeming the time. Because until you start getting into the habit of, of viewing time as valuable, you'll waste it. When Paul told them, make the most of every opportunity, what he was telling them is, hey, don't let any moment go by where you could be looking for an opportunity to pour into somebody's life the gospel truth that has saved your life, that's delivered you. So our time is very important. One last thing before I let you go. Start every morning by committing your day to the Lord and asking him to help you do something that day that has eternal significance. Start these day by asking the Lord, Lord, put in front of me somebody who I can minister to and share with. Redeem the time at every red light that you go to. Take that as a time to pray for somebody who you know. Fellow church member or family member. Redeem the time. While you're in your trance, you're going back and forth to work, rather than just on the phone blabbing about nothing, uh, take time to be praying for people or take time to, to transact some, some spiritual gospel business. Redeeming the time. Be a good steward over your time. I promise you, just, you you're just like I am. I've wasted, I've wasted time sometimes. All right? Sometimes I spend too much time on some things that I shouldn't be spending spend too much, that much time on and I'm wasting time. Redeem the time. What Paul was saying was live in such a way that your life is representative of of the God who you serve. Okay, make make the most of every opportunity, okay? And I want to encourage you to connect with your church and, 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 and be willing to serve, okay? My time is up, and I do thank you for yours. Give the Lord a hand of praise.